step right up, it's nailed. A halo by halo journey through the music of Nine Inch Nails. I'm Blake. I'm Jessica. And this is Halo 17. And if my voice sounds a little raspier, a little sexier, a little lower, that's because it's still recovering from whatever bullshit I had in my throat for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm doing better, but I'm, my voice is still not to 100. Some people may like this voice better. What do you think? <laughs> I did a little thing last week, and some people told me to keep doing it. You know what, but though? I was like, I'm not always going to be sick. What? I didn't even listen to it. I feel really bad. <laughs> I'm the worst you feel bad. wife. Uh, I record it with it's you. Okay. I live with you. I get your Trent impersonation I, all the time. I don't do a Trent impersonation <laughs> all the time. I think most He people, doesn't. He doesn't. Most people probably Uh-oh. didn't. Oh, guess who's here? His Uh-oh. voice is just the same as always. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, raspy voice, mm-hmm. getting over a sickness, Halo 17, mm-hmm. and all that could have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oscar's favorite. We made it to this one, a big one. Another. This one's another big deal for me. Well, before we talk about it, do we have any um, Nine Inch News? So everything is in the news today. Swedish artist Fever Ray dropped a new album called Radical Romantics that contains two songs that are collaborations with Reznor and Ross called Even It Out, which Mm -hmm. has a music video that's very disturbing, (laughs) and one called North. What did you, you described the... um... I said it was like John Waters directed the broken movie. (laughs) It was a very good description. You see Trent and Atticus for about 0.5 seconds in the video. They're doing their thing on the TV screen. Mm-hmm. And Fever Ray is doing a whole other thing throughout the video. I won't say what it I won't spoil it for you. Just go watch it. <laughs> so there's an interview with um, Karin Dreyer. Who is Fever Ray? Former The Knife, by the way. They asked Karin, at what point did you decide to bring in Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross? And Karin said, I was very into the Watchmen TV series. I had watched it three times, three times, and really liked (laughs) their music in it. I was thinking it would be fun if they wanted to be involved. I asked them to collaborate on Even It Out, which stands out from the rest because it has a very clear story. It is about revenge on your kid's bully. Good subject. Mm -hmm. I'm almost 50 years old now, and they are also very old. And I know Trent has a lot of kids, so I thought it would be a fun thing to collaborate on. The story of parental revenge. Maybe some subtlety was lost in the translation. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Fever is just like, I'm old. Who else is really, really old? (laughs) Uh, Reznor and Ross. And who else has kids? A lot of kids. Lots of kids. Hundreds of children. Here's the one called North. I listened to the whole album. Well, I only gave it one listen, so I shouldn't really judge it. I don't know if it was entirely my thing. Some of it was kind of enjoyable. It's not my it's not my album of the year or anything. I haven't listened to the whole album. I've just listened to the collabs. I'm not gonna lie. I've been listening to a lot of other stuff and working on my yeah. ultimate Depeche Mode playlist. Okay, so not a lot of time. I'm not letting you turn this into the Depeche Mode <laughs> podcast, but 
Reznor and Roth, lots of collaborations these days. They are all about the collabos and not releasing their own albums. But lots of cool little synthy sounds that are sound very Reznor and Ross. Can be heard on the these two tracks. It's like, yep, that's them. I think I it also sounds like there's subtle Trent vocals at the end of Even It Out. Trent doing some spooky uh noises not really lyrics or anything that sounds like some trent guitar playing too by the way it really does right yeah you can kind of hear his voice going like that's them taunting a child killing a bully (laughs) so yeah is that nine inch news i think that was it um, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, we should get on. So with we're going to get on it. So we've decided to split this up into three separate episodes for Halo 17 because there are three different components. So um, if there's anything I've missed, we're probably going to come back to it in a future episode. So it's please don't don't yeah, worry. Don't don't add us just yet. <laughs> but yeah, so tonight we're talking about the CD of and all that could have been. Just the audio experience. That's right. Next time on the main feed, mm-hmm. we'll be talking about the film version. DVD. Mm-hmm. And then our final episode for Halo 17 will be on Still. Still has to, doesn't even get its own Halo. Amazing as it is, it, it's part of Halo 17. That's right. So I thought before we talked about this album in particular, we could maybe uh, talk about live albums in general. And so I've been thinking about live albums a lot for the past week. And I wouldn't say that I'm a huge live album person i'm not either people are gonna be like what the fuck i love live (laughs) albums these people are lame i've never been someone who listens to that many live albums i have there are a few exceptions i i really want the visual component or to be there in person Mm -hmm. and i'm not an enormous concert goer either but if if i had unlimited resources i i would be but (laughs) yeah i would have been in my life well, before we get started talking about the few exceptions yeah. that we have, um, I asked in our Discord to our patrons in there what their favorite live albums are, and I asked on my Instagram just for people to DM me like their favorite live albums, mm-hmm. um, because I think it's interesting where people go. Like There was some stuff I wasn't expecting at all um, from a group of ones. Nine Inch Nails fans, even. Yeah. Um, some are to be expected, and some you're like, oh, well, that's interesting. So I'm going to start with our Discord first. Patreon.com slash NailedPod if you want to join our Discord. Yeah. Okay. So live albums that people mentioned in our Discord. We have uh, Daft Punk Alive 2007, which I listened to for the first time today, and it is really fucking good. I need to re-listen because it's been like 10 years. Yeah. And I, I'm sure it's amazing, and I've completely forgotten. Yeah. So thank you, Jacob, for that because I had I don't I don't think I even knew it existed. That's honestly. The, they and they it's kind of like they're mashing up a bunch of their mm. tracks and yeah. Okay, so then um, another uh, patron said "A is for Accident" by Dresden Dolls. I added that to like my list of things to listen to on Spotify. I've never heard it either. Have you ever heard the live no, album? I've heard 
the Dresden Dolls studio albums. Mm-hmm. I used to really like them, actually, uh, but have never heard the live okay. and never saw them live. So maybe some people who were who went to the uh, any of the With Teach shows might have seen them live. So. Oh, yes. That's why I listened to them, because I was like, oh, they're touring. It's nine-ish. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, someone mentioned Stop Making Sense, uh, Talking Heads. Um, yep. We'll come back to that one. That, that's very that's important. A big one. And then Radiohead's I Might Be Wrong is short, but is also solid. I think I have that. I used to that. have it. I think I listened to it once and was like, eh. I'm bad about live. We'll talk about it. Yeah, I think it was around the time of Amnesiac, and I was like, I'd, I'd just rather listen to Amnesiac than this, but maybe I overlooked something. Maybe. Um, the Ramones Live 1979. Someone mentioned Corn Unplugged, which I didn't even know Did there was know. a Corn Unplugged. A, that's fun. That's a and now I kind of want to hear concept. it. Yeah. yeah. Unplugged was very important to, I would say, older millennials and Gen Xers. It was a really, who, who yeah. watched MTV, like, but I do not remember Corn Unplugged. I wonder how heavily it relies on scatting. <laughs> I asked. <laughs> I just asked if Jonathan Davis did twist, which is basically all, yeah. all the scatting Jonathan Davis style. Um, but Jen, who posted about it, said that they had a duet with Amy Lee of Evanescence. So right. when was that album big? Like 2003 or four? The Evanescence album? Yeah. So this was when I wasn't really watching MTV that much, I don't think. It was when I was in high school. So 2002, some, maybe? Sometime between 2000 and 2003. Let's see, other ones that people mentioned. Oh, Garth Brooks' Double Live. Interesting. Didn't expect to hear that. <laughs> well, I grew up on country, so. The Garth Brooks to Nine Inch Nails pipeline is real. <laughs> it is real. Um, another person said uh, Dave Matthews' band. Um, Live from the Chicago River. <laughs> <laughs> Live at Luther College. It's um, Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds. I couldn't think of the person's last name and it wasn't on here, so it took me a second. But My dad went to see Dave Matthews Live, I think. That's because your stepmom's a big fan. Okay. Well, I've never, I've never had the pleasure. Not my thing, though. I do remember that CD that was kind of just a plain blue CD with like the the name of it across the front. But a bunch of people, I feel like, had that CD. Like if they had any Dave Matthews, it was just that CD. Um, yeah. For some reason, that was the one that got around. <laughs> oh, someone said. Um, I don't really listen to live albums, but I guess the Woodstock performance, if that was on a CD or something, then it would be that one. The Nine Inch Nails Woodstock, Mudstock? I mean, I think, yeah, the Mudstock bootleg, I think that counts as a live album, somewhat. (laughs) Not official, but still. Yeah. Swans, Swans are dead. I think a couple people said that in the Discord. Skinny Puppy, Ain't It Dead Yet. Queens of the Stone Age, Over the Years and Through the Woods. And Ministry, In Case You Didn't Feel Like Showing Up. Um, Yeah, so some good ones. Um, Oh, another Swans are dead vote here. I guess Swans are dead is the best based Mm. on this because we had two votes for it. Wow, it won. (laughs) And then another listener said, B.B. King's live at the Cook County Jail. And I posted that. And then later on, our friend Heather messaged and was like, oh, this goes hard. And I was like, I've never listened to it. So Me neither. Interesting. I think I got almost everyone's in the Discord. If I didn't, I'm sorry. Um, And then on Instagram, let's see if you remember any of these. Or have you you listened to Cage the Elephant at all in general? No, I I haven't either. I don't think so. Someone suggested Cage the Elephant Unpeeled. Never listened to them. So... Uh, generation gap there, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Must be. Um, Rush, exit stage left. And then Thin Lizzy, live and dangerous. So I had a couple people say the Thin Lizzy album. Who's, who said those two? Oh, these two? Um, that was Heather. Okay, Rush and Thin Lizzy. Yes. So I've never listened to that Thin Lizzy album, but I listened to it today and it does rock. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, they rock. What yeah. can I say? Well, I didn't. I blame a lot of my lack of uh, 
classic rock education on not having a dad. That is a good point. And my dad also only liked like Leonard Skinner and like Travis uh, Tritt. I don't, that's not the person I'm thinking of. Shit. Who was the guy who's- Randy Travis. Randy Travis. Thank you. Not the other Travis. But probably Travis Tritt too. (laughs) My dad gave me a lot of good music tastes, but not Thin Lizzy. That was not one of the things. What what were your dad's classic rock bands? Like Led Zeppelin? Led Zeppelin. He was big on Led Zeppelin. No Led Zeppelin. Uh, I don't like Led Zeppelin. I still don't. My my dad also bought Nevermind and played it a lot. He's not that kind of guy, but it was just really popular at the time. So he bought it. Part of the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Um, And also a lot of pop, female pop vocalists. He was- playing those constantly and i think it just wormed its way into my brain how much desiree did your dad play a lot (laughs) more than a reasonable amount what about robin's first cd he blasted that thing (laughs) it was on constant rotation and warped my little brain how much of amy grant's heart in motion do you have memorized my mom played amy grant all Mm -hmm. the time especially at christmas and i Heart in Motion, yeah, I know it all. I know it. Know it all too. That was a big album for my sister, your and so si- we shared a room. Said it so lame. We shared a room, and so I would listen to a lot of. Uh, I love every heartbeat. That's a good song. Yeah, yeah. There's it's, some bangers on there, people. It's pretty. It's pretty great for a pop Christian album with crossover. Yeah, yeah. With mm-hmm. with zero bass and zero soul. <laughs> <laughs> Still, somehow, it's good. It's so good. What about, okay, what was the song? Um, shit. It was, uh, we're getting off the long, live topic, and I'm so sorry. Okay. But it was. It starts out like in the year of 1492 when yeah. Columbus sailed the ocean yeah. blue. Um, Had he landed on India's ask shore? Ask me just how much I love you. Galileo. Yeah. You oh. are starlight. I'm Galileo. I'm not going to sing it, but yeah, it's good. That's a banger. There's some not so great lyrics. I mean, that's not like. But. They're good, but they're deep also deep and bad. wonderful lyrics. But it's a, it's I mean, a fun bop. They're deep to her. Uh, of course, someone said nine inch nails and all that could have been. They're trying to suck up to us. Nice try. Uh, live at the Nick, Lee Baines and the Glory Fires. Never heard of them. Um, MXPX at the show. Speaking of Christian music. Have I ever told you my MXPX story? I don't really listen to MXPX, I know who they are, barely. Yeah, I haven't heard much. Yeah, they they had a brief run on a song called Chick Magnet that was on MTV briefly. Do you remember this song? Not really. Well, <laughs> my sister, sorry for the segue. My best friend, Beth, in high school and her older brother, Nick, was really good friends with my sister. And Nick and Monica were the same age and Beth and I were the same age. And one, like a week during the summer, her parents left and went on like a cruise. So everyone just stayed at Beth's house, right? And my sister, Nick brought her home from a party that they had gone to and she was really drunk. And they just turned on MTV2 to have some music on. And uh, Beth and I were just sitting there laughing because my sister was so drunk. And Chick Magnet came on and my sister would go, Chicken Magnet. (laughs) And Beth and I would just look at her and start laughing. And she thought it was like- Oh my God. she She thought she was entertaining us or something, so- Wait, your sister? Yeah, like she thought she was being cute and funny. She thought, did she think it was chicken magnet? She did think it was chicken oh magnet, God. but she didn't know why we were laughing at her. Because she's a dumbass. Well, she's not a dumbass. She was just drunk and it probably had never heard that song before didn't, and in didn't, her life. Didn't know the concept of a chick magnet, which is like an old idiom. <laughs> she also thought that 311 song, um, Down, that in the chorus they were saying like zum zum. And she was like, what's a zum zum? Like a candy bar? And I'm like, what are you talking about? What's the actual lyric? I think it's just been a lot and then some, some, right? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't remember. 
It's three I'm eleven. Not, I'm not a. Not but sometimes, sometimes I get in the mood and I'm like, I got to hear my stony baby or whatever. I don't know. That that's out of my wheelhouse. Sorry. <laughs> uh, very early in my um, alternate days, the Jesus Lizard show. Um, and oh, Marilyn Manson, the last tour on earth. Never heard it. Uh, concert not. for George. That'd be George Harrison. And then Built to Spill live. Love Built to Spill. I saw them live once. I have not heard the live album. They were good, though. Doug Marsh was sick. I remember that. Mm. He was, like, coughing his ass off. And, but they still but, played a good set? Yeah. He, he His voice was definitely not at one hundo, and he had to, like, skip some verses. It was... Sad, but I mean, they're still good. <laughs> they're kind of a jam band. Yeah, they're kind of jammy. Like not, well, sometimes on the albums, they're jammy too. They can be jammy on the albums. Live, they're extra jammy. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, I was going to ask you if you had any live albums that you like absolutely loved before this. I mean, I don't I don't know if you Bef- loved this or not whenever you got it, but. Yes, I did. I won't keep anyone in, in suspense. I was huge into and all that could have been uh, mm-hmm. the day it dropped. But before that, I mean, I've never really been a big live album listener. I'm trying to think if there were any live albums I was into before that. This was at the beginning period of when I was first really getting into music that wasn't mm-hmm. just like whatever my parents had. It wasn't just like Amy Grant. <laughs> yeah, Amy Grant live. <laughs> I'm sure she puts on a great show. Um, what were yours? Well, I had two major live albums that I could think of that were very, very important to me. One has like a, a visual component and one doesn't. Um, but the one I, I could think of for me, like live albums need to do certain things for me. I've decided I made like a criteria mm. list. <laughs> I think okay. I was texting this to you today. Okay. But one is like transport you, right? So you feel like you're there, mm. Yeah. you know? Uh, one is like, if you're a new listener, it needs to convert you. Like you need to become one of the converted. Mm. Like this needs to be a very special dick's pick that got in your hands. And suddenly you're like, I love the dead now. A good live performance, even, uh, especially if you're like watching it on TV or something mm-hmm. could, can turn a non-fan into a fan. Definitely. I think that's very true. Um, if you're already a fan, it needs to confirm your love of that group. Right? Yeah, and not disappoint you. <laughs> and show you a little something new, I think, right? Especially if you weren't able to go see them on tour. And that's what, that's what, and all that could have been did for me. Cause I mean, I, I didn't get to go to Fragility, obviously, but it showed me like a whole new angle of Nine Inch Nails. So that was big. Yeah. But yeah, good criteria. Yeah. So the album, I think that did that for me, at least that like transported me and converted me totally and completely. Um, Ani DeFranco's Living in Clip. I bought it when I was 14 or 15. Hmm. It was my first Ani DeFranco, which is interesting. It was a oh. double live CD. Yeah, that's the a first weird thing, thing to I ever start bought. with. And that's anyone. a lot of money. Like, that's like 25 yeah. bucks. <laughs> right. That was like five hours of work, guys. I was like a whole shift at Dairy Queen. Oh, my. <laughs> but uh, it was the first live album I remember having like a very visceral reaction to. Yeah. And um, it was when I was getting into like Riot Girl and just you know, women-led music uh, or women-led bands, I guess. Yeah. Like I was listening to like Seven Year Bitch and Sleater Kinney and L7. And this album, Living Eclipse, just kind of blew my mind. I'd never heard anyone play guitar like that. I'd never heard anyone sing like that. She was openly queer and sang about it. She was super mm. feminist and sang about it. She sang about sex and about politics. And um, it was just really mind-blowing to a 14, 15-year-old in Marshfield, Missouri, 
listening to that and someone singing openly about these things. But it made me like an instant fan. Like I was just obsessed. And I was re-listening it today and I can still like recite some of the banter (laughs) that she has uh, with her bassist. They tell funny stories. That's how you know you're a fan. You have the banter memorized. Yeah. I can remember how she introduces like uh, the drummer, Mm. the way she says Dochansky. Anyway, love, love, love living in clip. The only other one I could think of that I had an effect to was the night Kurt Cobain died. I'm pretty sure that MTV just played like Nirvana unplugged over and over on oh, a wow. loop. Yeah. I don't really remember if that's true or not and just how I'm remembering it. But like in every like commercial break, Kurt Loader would pop up. But it wasn't just the end of the hour. It was like every commercial mm-hmm. break and he would mm-hmm. announce that Kurt Cobain had been found dead. And that was just a different thing because I wasn't even like a big Nirvana kid. Yeah. But it was something he knew was very important. I was not tuned in, plugged in at that time, sadly. Yeah. But anyway, that that was a little sidetracked too. The only other album I could think of actually was when I was a little bit older. It stopped making sense. I got into this in college. A guy at work actually loaned me the DVD. Talking Heads. Mm -hmm. I had it for months. And one day he was like, hey, Jessica, are you ever going to watch that? Because I'd like to have it back. And I was like, okay, fine. So I went home and I watched it. And all I knew about Talking Heads were like the singles. Like my mom had never been Mm. into them. No one I knew had been into them. And so... I just sat there and watched it and it blew my mind and I kept it for like another like two months and would watch it like every night. Wow. Um, and I finally brought it back to him. But yeah, I loved it. I loved Stop Making Sense and I bought the album and I still think it's just amazing. And it's just funny that we're talking about live albums this week and it was just announced that it's being restored in 4K and re-released in theaters. Hell yeah. We're going to go again. Again. Yeah. We we got to see it at a local theater yeah. once, but it was not it was the low res version. <laughs> Stop making sense is up there for me as possibly favorite non nine inch nails live thing. I'm gonna say more so the movie that Jonathan Demi directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, more the album is shortened a lot, and I like I say I, I don't think it is on the CD reissue, but the vinyl is short. Oh yeah, it's the vinyl that's really short. Yeah, and the, actually for the first time they're releasing it on double vinyl. So the whole performance this okay. year. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just a big ad right now for Talking Heads. But for that, I really want the visual component. I need it. I need the big suit that David Byrne wears. Yeah. Uh, no, it does not gradually get bigger. He has one. <laughs> One change of clothes, and it's from a regular size suit to a really big suit. Just clarifying. Um, but all the little – the stagecraft is amazing. Uh, the the little dances, mm-hmm. the performances, and it's very seamlessly um, – I believe shot over three nights yes, at the same place. Yes, but seamlessly edited, yeah. Seamlessly edited looks like one night. Yep. And if it weren't for a certain guitarist's hair, the thing we're going to talk about <laughs> – would look pretty seamless too. Well, that we're going to talk about next time. Ah, right, right, right. Yeah. But yeah, okay. Stop making sense is way up there for me mm-hmm. as a person who's not huge into live albums. I'm trying to think of other stuff. Like, there's not a lot for me. I mean, I like Nirvana Unplugged, but it it it's not on a stop making sense or uh, Unplugged was just a big deal because it was just like on MTV and it was yeah. an easy way to access stuff you would. I don't know, like. I feel like a lot of performances are underrated for that show. Like when people talk about it, they always talk about like Nirvana, but like yeah. Hole's performance was really good and it's never been released officially as far as I know. Um, Alice in Chains Unplugged was really good. The thing about Nirvana is it's like the last big thing 
he did before he yeah. died. So like really shortly before he died. So did it you just have became from legendary. the muddy banks of the wish God? Is that what it was called? I, I only just recently heard that one. Okay. I had and that. It's, it was pretty good. I remember being excited about that one actually and buying it when I was a teenager. Yeah. A lot of zoomers hate Nirvana and say they're overrated. And to they you, I them, say, I hear the zoomers call Nirvana mid, whatever that means. <laughs> But they, I say, you weren't there, man. You need, don't know. You don't need, know. The kids need to learn to respect their elders. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. What? I'm, I need a second to think. Like, what the hell else? Have I ever talked about live shit? Like, I liked Maxwell's Unplugged Live album. I had that. That's the one where he actually covers Closer. Oh, Got to okay. get closer. I made Jess go with me to see the Billie Eilish live movie. Um, in the theater. <laughs> That's true. And I had to put up with dancing tweens and uh, dancing middle-aged ladies. And I Yeah, the kids kind of ruined it, but the performances No, the kids were, were cute. The, okay. the older yeah, ladies yeah. were cringe. Yeah. I'll, I'll let cringe a tween all dance all over the place. I don't care. Still really good performance. Uh, I had, the mix was questionable. Um, but there's not, a, there's not an album version of that. It's just a video. Taylor Swift's never released like an official live album? No. Hmm. Uh, well... Maybe she will for the Eras tour since she's doing like 40 track yeah. set 44 lists. song nights. Ugh. Imagine having that kind of energy. <laughs> yeah. Like what the fuck's like, that like? Recording a podcast for two hours on a Saturday night is like, too much for me. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. We go to Nine Inch Nails and we're like, they 23 songs. Amazing. <laughs> what a nice, long, lengthy, you can really feast on these, on this set list. <laughs> and, Taylor's doing 44. Like, what the fuck? There better be like a long bathroom break in there. <laughs> I got to say some of them are probably medleys, right? Like she's just kind of doing uh, little little medley versions, kind of mashing them I up. I can't and... confirm or deny that because I don't know anything okay. about it yet. It just happened. If we keep talking about pop music, some <laughs> some people are going to turn off. I'm so sorry. I'm so but sorry. You know what? If you don't like my taste outside of Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> honestly, go screw. <laughs> like... I don't know what to tell you. I can't help you. Um, okay, so yeah. I feel like it's more acceptable to like and embrace pop stars openly, Blake. It's okay. I think cool people know that, yes, but not everyone Not everyone gets it. Anyway, sorry for the segues. I just like to talk about music with you sometimes. Well, that's what we're... That's, that's what other than Nine Inch Nails. People like it when we talk about music. That's what we're here for. <laughs> and when we talk about our lives and, and stuff. Oh, can I tell you another Monica story, but it involves Ani DeFranco? Yeah. Did she say something homophobic about her or something? Mm, okay. So we... Uh, yes. Okay. So Ani DeFranco was on tour and it was a solo acoustic tour and she did a stop in Columbia. At, I, I don't think it was a Blue Note, but I can't remember what it was. So uh, me and my friend Jeremy and my other friends, Ben and Farah and my sister all decided to go. My sister was not like... I would say she probably never heard one Ani DeFranco mm. song. She just wanted yeah. to go. Your sister's like me, completely <laughs> yeah, she, agnostic to Ani DeFranco. She just wanted to get out of town for a night and hang out with her friends, you know. And so uh, she came along. I think I paid for her ticket and everything. And so beforehand, I don't remember where everyone else went. I think they maybe went back to the hotel. But my sister and I went to this bar across the street from the venue. Mm -hmm. And Monica got fucking schnockered off of like three Cosmos. Oh, God. And so we go across to meet our friends, and we walk in, and Monica's kind of looking around. And she does this thing that she thinks is a whisper, but she's drunk, so it's not a whisper. And she says, is everyone in here a lesbian? Oh, my God. Like, like that. And 
me and like my uh, friends, we all turned and looked at her, and then like the people around us turned and looked at her, and someone goes, "I am." Oh my god, <laughs> me! It was so funny. We were all just like so embarrassed, but also laughing because it was just like the dumbest thing. I don't know. It's like the opposite of when Homer is in the lesbian bar, but he doesn't know that he is. <laughs> anyway, my sister. Is, anyway, I love she, my sister. She's a, cringe she but free. She is a cornball to the max. I love her, but she, you know. She's not in the in the Ani DeFranco fandom. She doesn't, whatever. She doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't get the fandom. <laughs> no, the Frank heads. What I don't know what you call yourselves. Oh, I I don't know if we have a name. <laughs> Fine, we're we're righteous babes. We're babes. Okay. So we better probably okay, yeah, talk sorry. about this. Nine Inch Nails live album before people riot. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go through the basics real quick, right? Released on CD, DVD, and VHS on January 22nd, 2002, but it was originally slated for a pre-Christmas release on December 11th, 2001. Oh, interesting. I wonder what pushed it back. Oh. What, do you think it was 9-11? Well, I Is feel that like what your first thought was? It's not totally off base. Do no. you remember, like, our entire culture got pushed back. Like, Except everything Zoolander was came out, because I remember going yeah. to see Zoolander pretty soon after 9-11 ben, and ben kind Stiller, of crying in the theater, but also laughing. <laughs> ben Stiller was being very disrespectful. Didn't ben Stiller need... saved the world after 9-11. Sure, we, did, we needed the laugh. But we needed it. For those of you who weren't alive then or were an infant or whatever... Everything was being delayed. Everything. Our cult, like our whole pop culture had to be put on hold. I don't know that it directly affected this, but. I don't, maybe there was a supply chain shortage. <laughs> I don't, I really don't know. So this was taken from the Fragility 2.0. Yes. Tour. Um, so it was in the North American leg, right? Yeah. Um, for both the album and for the live recording. Um, so it's a composite of multiple shows. It's not one show. It's not right. one show in one location filmed over consecutive nights. Like it's multiple. And shows. if you're like, uh, did between songs, did Robin go back and shave his head? <laughs> this is why his hair changes different shows. As, as we saw in Closure, yeah. mm-hmm. the Robin ritual of shaving the head later That's on right. in the tour. Got to do it. It gets too fucking hot. Too damn hot. Too damn hot. So a uh, deluxe version was also released, a little gray box set, and that box set included Still. That's the one I have. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love my little gray yeah. uh, cloth. It's kind of like a hardbound book. They call it cloth. I didn't buy it that way. I think I ordered Still online because I know I had it, and the only way you can have that little blue one is if you ordered it online. And I Yeah, I wish I would have. I mean, I, back then I wasn't the kind of freak who bought multiple things like I am now, mm-hmm. multiple Versions of the same thing, I mean. So I didn't order the still online, but that would be a cool thing to have. And that had to have been like one of my earliest like online purchases. Because before yeah. that, I don't think I had a check card. Well, yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't have a credit card. Yeah, you yeah. got to understand this was 2001, 2002. I was not buying things online. Yeah. Then, and there was not days. like, I mean, there might have been PayPal. I don't know when that started, but I wasn't using it. It was in its infancy. And um, I think the very first stuff I ever ordered online was from, do you remember CD Now? Yes. I had, if I made good grades, my mom would order me um, CD singles. Oh. And so she ordered me, like, I was, I loved Beck. And so I remember she ordered me the Deadweight CD single and I think Jackass because they had, like, B-sides I wanted. You should have been getting, we're in this together, CD singles one, two, and three. That wasn't out yet. (laughs) 
This would have been like 97 okay. or okay. something. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. CD now. Yeah. I went there a lot. <laughs> I didn't buy things from it, but oh. I, I used the website. My mom would use her credit card. And she was always like, uh, I know my shit's going to get stolen, Jessica Ann. Anyway. Okay, so the release. I was there on release night mm-hmm. to grab, because this box Wait, you said was, release night. Okay. I think I went that night because I think it was a school day. Oh, so, okay. I was thinking like a, a pre-release party. No, or no, it was. I wasn't like waiting outside the night before, although I should have. Um, <laughs> but it, the box set was limited, so I wanted to make sure and go as soon as I could, mm-hmm. as soon as a, a schoolboy could. Um, Were you cool enough to ask the CD um, uh, warehouse employees to sell you stuff early? Because I did it all the no, time. Definitely because not cool. New enough. Music Day used to be on a Tuesday, but yeah. music stores would usually get their shipments on a Thursday or a Friday. So yeah, I would go I in there that. on a Friday after class and I would just walk up and say, Hey, do you have the new Interpol? And he would just sell it to me. Like yeah. if there was an album I really wanted or whatever, I would just go in and I try to be cool at first and walk and look at the new wall of CDs. And then I would just walk over and just ask for what I wanted whenever right. they were like, whenever there's no one else around. I do remember they did that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I got this at uh, the CD store in the mall, which mm. at the time was maybe was FYE. I think it was yeah. FYE. Um, that's where I got my and all that could have been. I got the I got the DVD and the gray box set at the same time. Mm-hmm. I never owned the DVD. The prized possession as soon as I got it. I still have that one, don't I? That same one? You have the same box set. I had to reorder the DVD. I don't know oh, where that's yours right. is. Yeah. I was, I think, a dumbass and sold it. So yeah, they're on uh, after things falling apart. The first then album I got to anticipate. This was the second. Still really big, uh, big anticipation vibes for me. Um, and this was I had a recovered memory about it. This was after all of my Nen stuff had been stolen out of my Honda Civic. R.I.P. So I hadn't quite rebuilt the collection yet, or any of the collection yet. So for a while there, and all that could have been was the only Nine Inch Nails I could listen to in my car. Oh, so just okay. live Nine Inch Nails was all I had. I didn't have studio album Nine Inch Nails until I rebought them a while later. So these versions of the songs were like what I was listening to for a period of at least several months. Mm. I just thought that was kind of funny. The the way things were back then, like as limited as we were to listen in our cars and stuff, we obviously oh, couldn't stream it. I would get so mad, like if I ran out to my car, like if I was running late for classes or something, and I'd run out to my car and I would have forgotten my CD wallet, like and I had just updated yeah. all my CDs, and I get in my car and I have to listen to f- the fucking radio. Oh yeah, I I, the worst. I know the feeling well. When That's when I would just listen to NPR and just be like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to listen to the horrible rock station in Springfield. I'm just going to listen to NPR. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. But yeah, I I brought it home. Um, I was with a friend and we watched, we put it on my parents. Uh, I was lucky enough that my parents had a big, my parents had a big entertainment center, including uh, 5.1 surround set up in the house. So nice. I got to listen to and watch the DVD as intended with surround. I love that. It was done in 5.1 um, because that's something you can't. Well, sorry, that's for the next episode. But spoiler alert, I love it. Great. Ruin the next step, Blake. I love the surround aspect <laughs> and can't wait to revisit it. But the CD, yeah, I, I listened to it plenty, especially in the car. But I can't lie, I liked the DVD more. It's that visual experience, you know? It's that kind of thing. Before we go on and talk about like, 
the legs of the tour real quick. And all that could have been had several different names that were all variations on lyrics from The Fragile. Possible names or working mm-hmm. titles. Working they, titles, exactly. I remember seeing some, I think they were like written on a whiteboard, once again, the whiteboard, mm-hmm. and maybe posted to Nin.com. Yes, yeah, so they're on Nin.com if you want to look yeah, at yeah, them. Yeah. And I think that image came from, according to Nin, or not Nin.com, it's actually NIN Wiki. Yeah. But they were posted, were they posted on Nin.com ever? I think so. Okay. I think they also said they came from David Carson's book, Trek. Okay. Um, but there's Nine Inch Nails Live Remains. Nine Inch Nails Live, What It Feels Like. Okay, that one's, uh, that one's okay. It makes sense. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails Live, You and Me, really? <laughs> that makes it sound like too wholesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they didn't mm-hmm. go with that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder if that was a troll. Okay. <laughs> maybe. Nine Inch Nails Live, Even After Everything. Okay. I like maybe, that one. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Nine Inch Nails Live, I Can Still Feel You. Mm. That's a little too sexual, A little maybe. too much. Yeah. That'd be a weird one. Nine Inch Nails Live, Still We Crawl. Oh, I could kind of see that. Yeah. But, and all that could have been is just too good. So I'm yeah. glad. Yeah. It's weird it's and it's long, but also it seems appropriate. It's almost, it's like expressing disappointment, which is very Nine mm-hmm. Inch, very Trent reznor Yeah. To be like, here's the show. It's shit. Uh, it could have been better, I guess. Think <laughs> Think of all the things that could have been. This is what it was. Mm-hmm. But also, it's the name of an unreleased track. And it's a lyric from The Great Below. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Fragility Tour had two legs, and this consisted of... Two legs, you say? Mm-hmm, two legs. Left and a right leg. <laughs> and it's amazing legs they are. <laughs> they are. So uh, Fragility 1.0. Europe, Japan, Australia. They started out on an international tour before they Back started. Back when they used to play Australia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it started actually in Barcelona, Spain on November 14th, 1999. But there, um, according to NIN Wiki, there were dress rehearsals on November 9th, 1999. Yeah. In London. It ended at the Big Day Out Festival in Australia on mm. February 2nd, 2000. The, the first leg. Mm-hmm. And 1.0. That's right. But the opening acts for this were Atari Teenage Riot and Skin Game. What is Skin Game? Who, who never, are Skin Game? I've never heard that in my life. Did It was on NIN Wiki. Obviously, I've heard of Atari Teenage Riot, know mm-hmm. all about them. We know everything about Atari I've, Teenage I've Riot. We have them. a side podcast. Yeah. But you didn't um, know that. I've l- somehow never heard of Skin Game in opening my life. Opening acts for this tour were Atari Teenage Riot and Skin Game. Skin Game does not have a link. Pop. Wait, Skin Games. It says Skin Game. Well. Singular here. They're actually called Skin Games, plural. Okay. A British pop rock band. What? Of the late 80s, early 90s. Um, Is this the same band? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what any of this is, and I'm scared. <laughs> I think they're a very obscure band. Okay. That's all I can say. If anyone saw Skin Games live, let me know. Uh, Fragility 2.0, North America. That one started April 3rd, 2000 in LA. Um, And then I have written down that that was one of seven rehearsal shows and the only rehearsal show with a small audience. Hmm. Anyway, ended on June 18th, 2000 in Denver, Colorado. Not at Red Rocks though, at the Pepsi Center. Pepsi Center. Mm -hmm. Red Rocks would have been awesome. (laughs) And the opening act for this look at the tour was A Perfect Circle. 
I remember that. Mm-hmm. And then they did a little leg that was kind of considered part of 2.0 of European festivals. Um, they played, I think on an wiki, it said June 23rd, 2000 at Glastonbury Festival. Um, is that the same festival that Lana Del Rey got mad at recently? Because she's a headliner, but they put her like at the, so. in the middle of the poster. Yeah, she called them out. Yeah, she, yeah, they someone needed to. And it ended at the Monza Festival on July 9th. So that July 9th show was the last Nine Inch Nails show with Charlie Clouser and Danny Lohner. Although Danny would come on as a special guest in 2009. And both would appear later in Cleveland. That's right. Mm -hmm. And then it was the last show with Robin until he returned to Nine Inch Nails in 2008. So, yep. The lineup for this tour was Charlie Clouser, um, Jerome Dillon, Robin Fink, and Danny Lohner. And of course, Trent Reznor was there. I don't know if you guys know that, but Mm. he was there too. He was there? Mm Mm-hmm. An amazing lineup. (laughs) So one thing I found this little, okay, I found an interview, like a piece. It was in 1999 in Kerrang. So this was before anything came out. And they did like, they had these little side panels where they had like very brief profiles and interviews with the band members for the tour. Mm -hmm. And you hardly ever see stuff like that. So I thought it would be interesting to just read some of those. Okay. Um, Maybe one every, for every recording. Okay. So, uh, I just called this the brief band member profile. And first we'll start nice. with Jerome Dillon. Jerome. Mm-hmm. Um, they described Jerome. They wrote, spent four years in alternative group Howlin' Maggie before moving to LA to work with soundtrack composers. Hmm. So the next is just a quick Q&A. How did you come to join Nine Inch Nails? And Jerome said, I went down to New Orleans in March to audition and I've been with the guys ever since. Doing movie soundtrack and stuff helped when it came to working with Trent because a lot of the stuff he does is actually very cinematic. Oh, is it actually? (laughs) Interesting you should say that. Uh, What were your first impressions of Trent? I didn't have any preconceived notions of what he was going to be like, but it was surprising that he... How could you not? (laughs) Trent Reznor looms large. I would totally have a preconceived notion. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you'd, be, unless you'd never heard of him. <laughs> I'd be terrified. Just because I'm a very um, socially anxious person. It has well, nothing yeah. to do with him. It's just me being like, I don't really, uh, yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. yeah. But it was surprising that he was as approachable as he is. A regular guy type. Very, very funny. He had me laughing within the first 10 minutes of meeting him. He's very gregarious. And I felt comfortable working with him musically. I was most impressed by how quickly he works in the studio. He's extremely prolific and works at a blisteringly fast pace. Huh. You wouldn't think that since it takes five years. That's a relative <laughs> term there. Interesting. The record is definitely art, and a certain amount of pain goes into creating any form of art. I think for Trent, it was an exercise in seeing how far he could push himself. That's pretty inspiring. Hmm. Question. Nine Inch Nails drummers suffer at least one painful injury on stage per tour. Any worries? Yeah, did he take a, a mic stand to the head? <laughs> So Jerome said, the last drummer, Chris Rinna, got craned upside the head with a mic stand in oh, San Francisco. Yeah. So I was planning on showing up in a football helmet. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Uh, but that's my stand out. That's right. But my drum tech is taking good care of me so far. There's been a couple of projectiles that he's batted out of the way. Good job, drum tech. Wow. A drum tech <laughs> will literally just throw his body in front of the projectile? I guess so. That's going above and beyond the <laughs> Call of Duty there. And I tend not to take my eyes off Trent very often. People may get the wrong impression that it's totally for show and calculated. The bottom line is Trent expects the musician he plays with to convey emotion behind the song more than he expects him to play the notes perfectly. 
Everybody in this band makes a commitment to do that. And sometimes you literally have to throw yourself into it. Hmm. So there we go. That was nice. Mm -hmm. Quick fun facts about the tour. Just a couple. We'll probably have more later. Yeah. Uh, Before a lot of their performances, Recoil's Liquid was played over the system. Do you know who Recoil is? I know who Coil is. <laughs> so uh, Recoil is Alan Wilder. It was like his side project whenever oh. he was with Depeche Mode. And then whenever he left, he worked on it full time. Interesting. Um, yeah. So listen to that if you haven't. During this tour, Nine Inch Nails played their 500th show on May 20th, 2000. Wow. At the Lakewood Amphitheater in Atlanta, Georgia. Sheesh. Nice. I think they're up to like 5,000 now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it looks like this might be a long one. So... Let's it's take a break and then go through this thing track by track. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so the album itself. So it's long. It's an hour and 13 minutes. It's longer if it's had all the songs on it. Yeah, and the, yeah, the DVD is much longer. We're not gonna play every second of it on the podcast. We're we're gonna play it through in order, but we'll skip around to highlights and talk about it as we go. Does that sound good? It sounds good. Okay, because much of this we've already covered, but obviously not these versions. And some things there are some differences, uh, some small, some big between these and the album versions. Gotta say, I'm disappointed by some of the tracks that are missing. I wish it were more fragile heavy. And I don't like that there's not an opening track to kind of ease us. It just starts you right out with terrible intro. Yeah, I have a few thoughts on that too. And the DVD is more fragile heavy. I feel like this, because it's their first live album, maybe there is an effort to be more like well-rounded or oh. to make it more like a greatest hits to, yeah. to appeal to yeah. lots of different people, not just the hardcore fans, but yeah, because they'd never had a obviously a greatest hits compilation or a live album. So, so there was a blurb in Rolling Stone. Um, There's a little article that was kind of teasing the tour, and they wrote there will be plenty of cuts from the fragile and to Reznor's surprise, the new songs, the day the world went away, and even deeper, are particularly fun to play. Reznor said, but there's a fair portion of older material as well. I know people want to hear the stuff they love. So my main question is, where the fuck is Into the Void? That's even, what I want to know. Even Deeper did not end up on CD or DVD. But yeah, Into the Void, uh, same same story. Should have been. And all that could have been. Yeah. Is, <laughs> and all that could have been referring to our favorite songs we didn't hear. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Imagine it's better this would be if Into the Void were on it. Or please. Or the perfect drug. <laughs> I mean, it took a long time for that one to come around. Down in it. Skin. Down in it is, well, okay, we'll get there. Skin. <laughs> but no no opening just goes right into yeah, so Terrible Life. On the DVD, and it obviously starts with Pinion, that goes into the, the famous Terrible Lie, uh, has an intro. It, it's not just that it starts with Terrible Lie without Pinion. Or mm-hmm. I know on some of these shows, they were like mashing up the new flesh with Pinion. Terrible Eye has this percussive intro that's very recognizable to fans. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have that. They cut straight to this snare fill. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a jump scare intro to an album, basically. It's 
so it begins so uh, all of a sudden that the most CD players have like a short rev up period, mm-hmm. and it there's no buffer time. That snare fill just hits, and often my seat, like in the car, the CD player doesn't even have time to like it. Like fades into it, like it it can't. It has to catch up with it. It's weird. It's hard to describe, but it yeah, it's it's a jump scare. Um, it, it's certainly a decision to start the album like that. I'll just play it so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's just kind of like almost in the middle of it. The intro's cut. But if you want an all-killer and no-filler, like from that perspective, it makes sense. I like a good intro. They could have given us a little something. The DVD does a better job job of introing it. Although they have performed, I'm sure. I know for certain they've just come out and performed just without like an intro with little fanfare with the house lights yeah. still on. I think it happened recently at a show in Philadelphia on their last tour. Yeah. yeah. It may or may not have been a, a, a <laughs> was it accident, accident on the light. <laughs> on the lighting. I think part? when we saw them start with beginning of the end, it was like completely dark because the lights were not working at first. <laughs> like something was off about the lights and they were playing in the dark for the first few bars of that. Um, but that aside, Terrible Lie is an awesome opener. Yes. And Blake was very disappointed that we didn't get to hear it at Red Rock. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorites. Didn't get to hear it either show. But love that this concert album starts with it. Great opener. Great live version that they do. I really like that you can hear the Hey God yelled a lot louder and more prominent than on the album. And it's... Uh, we'll verify when we get to the dvd but I, it's danny and robin probably doing that probably everyone probably charlie too who knows but great great emotion put into this great performance terrible eyes almost always a banger yeah i mean it's just it's a no-brainer really 10 out of 10, no notes. No notes on Terrible Lie, other than the, the weird jump scare intro. That's not Terrible Lie's fault. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a great performance. Just decisions were made. We hear the addition of the F word throughout yeah. this. Put more Fs the in there. The whole you promised me thing, you fucking promised me, mm-hmm. uh, like... Can this world really be as sad as it fucking seems? This was his era of throwing a lot of F-words in. And now we've got Sin. It's up second with the... As far as I know, the way they always do it live, or always have done since, with the extended intro that's based on one of the Sin remixes. Mm-hmm. Please don't expect me to remember <laughs> what that remix is called. Sin Love Dub. I don't fucking know. I'm not good at Love remembering dub. the remix name. Sorry. Yeah. But it's got kind of like the elect. I like the. I believe that's the theremin you're hearing squeal there, too, that Charlie's playing. Again, I need visual components on a lot of them. I need to see that theremin. Very visual instrument. 
obviously a lot of cool guitar work that's not on album versions of these songs. But more based on the like the music video version of Sin than the album cut, but as far as I know, that's how they've always done it live. But goes hard uh, as a early in the set song and it's one of one of the ones that we saw early in the set mm-hmm. I won at Red Rocks too it banged then and it bangs now again solid choice and starting off pretty hate machine heavy you know mm-hmm. we don't get to the fragile for a little bit we're doing kind of career retrospective uh, 10 years into the career there, there's another extra fuck I love extra fucks, so... We know you do. (laughs) Whoa! He does a lot of those moans. So March of the Pigs. Mm -hmm. The addition of... Again, pretty much always... uh, The way he does it live is to say, Hey pigs, hey you fucking pigs, March. Where he can get a fuck. This just goes hard. We'll what always. Can go what hard. can I say? Goes hard on the album. Always goes hard live. Recently, they started a show as March of the Pigs for the first time, which was a wild thing to do. I guess you could do worse as far as high energy openers. Yeah, I think it would be a good opener actually. Just kind of out of nowhere. A lot of we get crowd sounds and some of these quieter moments. Yeah, I was listening to some other live albums today, and I realized that the crowd sounds were so much louder on them than on this. Yeah, some some things they will mix the crowd way too loud, and this I think it was a very conscious choice not to have them too loud or only fade them in at certain yeah. key moments for emphasis. I kind of like a loud crowd though because that's part of the transporting thing, right? Yes, but yeah. not so loud that it's overpowering the music on like I've, I've heard on some things. Mm. I love hearing like fan sing-alongs. I love that. Yeah, that's fine. I don't want it louder. Like everything than... counts on 101. Mm-hmm. And some things that are audience participation mm-hmm. like the Depeche Mode thing you just said. Yeah, obviously that should take priority there but on just like a normal ass verse I don't necessarily want to hear the crowd drown out the singer I mean usually they aren't but <laughs> I've heard on the Billy thing mm. that, my is main, that what you were talking main, about? That's, yeah. you're mixing? Okay. my main problem with the mix on that is that they the crowd was they too loud. really fucked it up okay. <laughs> yeah it was like Beatlemania. They, it was it was a bit of a mess. Obviously, we get the mm-hmm. extended all the pigs all lined up outro on this per usual.
one thing I like about this era of of this section is there's like a there's a synth part here mm-hmm. that they lost in more recent years. I'm not sure why, but I always thought it was cool. I think it adds something there. Probably Charlie playing it there. Um, it's not on not on any album version, to my knowledge. But I, I like how it ends here. Every little fucking pig. <laughs> and he really bleats it out there. Pig transition. Famous pig transition. Wait for it. Hey, pigs. Hey, fucking. Hey, fucking. Hey, pig. (laughs) Crowd's going nuts, and this is the one where Trent goes a little nuts, too. If I recall correctly, this is where he kind of goes into the audience on this one. I, I mean, I remember him doing like during the downward spiral. Um, yeah, I can't remember if it was something. I yeah, I haven't seen this DVD okay. in like twenty years. Okay, well this this will be fun then because it'll it'll be like it's new to you. Yes. But I believe this is the one where he goes into the audience. They damn near tear him limb from limb. <laughs> Couldn't do that today. I feel like that was enclosure too. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, he definitely had to stop doing that. It would quite work now, but still pretty fun to see. The drumming is really cool, like on the chorus here, that he's just kind of snare rolling the whole time. Jerome is very good at the drums. He's not Ilan Rubin and is who we think of some more extra a motherfucking that's I love that part um, no Jerome does awesome drumming on this album I think this is a really drum heavy the album the drums are mixed really loud they add a lot to it but they're like super prominent Jerome gets to do kind of the drum solo section Robin's doing his guitar wails mm-hmm. I think this is the part where he's in the audience and like the audience kind of takes over the microphone you'll hear it yes yeah some of this that you're hearing I think is randos in the audience screaming into Trent's mic that <laughs> pure chaos Trent has lost control at this point When he gets back on the stage, he starts uh, banging his arms randomly on the keyboard for the piano solo outro. And then I always really liked how this piano led into the frail while, while he's at the keyboard there. It's a good transition, I think. So we went from Pretty Hate Machine to Downward Spiral and then into some fragile. This to me is when the album gets interesting. When we get yeah. to the frail. 
because if yeah. you've seen Closure a million times like I did, you've, you've probably seen most of those right. versions performed a zillion times. This is nothing like new. That. Yeah. This is the first thing that's like, ooh, new. I imagine it would be pretty wild if you were there and hearing fragile stuff performed for the first time. I'd be losing my shit. <laughs> cool to see Trent Piano solo live. Yeah. I'm glad we got to see this. He didn't do it quite like this. Um, he adds a lot of extra flourishes here that are like burned into my memory. Mm-hmm. The one we saw him do in real life at Red Rocks was I'd say more, a lot more minimal than this. I think I have it on my Instagram feed. Yeah. Check Jessica's Instagram. I, I probably reposted it on Nailed somewhere. And we get, of course, like the pads in the background, like on the album. It's all this extra stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, this is really cool. I like can't not hear this when I hear the <laughs> any version of the frail. I want to add in that part. Oh, holy shit, what's he going to go to now? Just like on the album. And that transition has been done, you know, like a thousand times live now. It's usually what the frail leads into. Although he has changed that up. But that's what, that's what we saw. How do you like the, the Wretched Life? I think I like it better than the album version. <laughs> yeah, I can see that because it's live adds a lot of energy. It adds a lot of drums and a lot of guitar, uh, guitar energy. The album is a little, I think this might be a little quicker and the album's a little more plodding and electronic. Mm-hmm. And I really love the album version, but this, this is definitely I mean it's just a it bangs live it's a live banger I listen to that guitar as far as I know it's just is it just Robin and then Danny on bass we'll verify when we watch the DVD but it's a lot of sound out of not a whole lot of players, you know, in comparison to the Fragile album with uh, 50 layers of guitar <laughs> per song. And we'll talk about that um, when we talk about next week. I'm going to talk about the rehearsals for mm-hmm. the Fragility tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about like Trent's, how they kind of decided to make live versions because you, there were yeah. so many layers of how guitar do you tracks tear down and stuff. Yeah. A track with 50 guitar parts into something that Robin can play. <laughs> Right there. Duck in this house. Yeah, that, you're right. He doesn't do that on the album, but it's the extra uh-huh. vocal flourish. Takes me back to the 
Pierce feeling she days. She thought it sounded like the Pierce feeling the what's happening to me. <laughs> it is nowhere near that bad. It's not that bad, but it was it reminded me of it. It's it's cute. I like this. Hang on. They cut his mic. They mute his mic right there. Like on the album, how his voice uh, poops out. <laughs> Poops. I love that they mute the mic up for effect right there. Yeah, I love that there's way more of a live drum feel, obviously. Yeah, it's one of the highlights. It's even got the little plucks. I can't remember if they're piped in or if it's something someone is playing. It may be it may be like samples that Charlie's playing on a keyboard. Robin solo, awesome. Ends with the plucks again. The squeals too. I mean the album doesn't have that. That's pretty cool though. Wheels. Did you, hang on. Did you hear that? <laughs> Why does he just say cunt? I don't know. That's funny. I wonder if he was mad at something or if he's just hurling expletives just just because. Mm-hmm. He says, cunt, what's going on? This version of gave up goes hard. Yeah. I mean, gave up is always going to go hard. It's so good. Broken's always going to go hard live. Now we're kind of going backwards. We did the career. We did pretty hate machine downward spiral fragile. Skipped over broken, but now we're going back to it. Got to have broken live. vocals are really cool with Danny and Robin Yeah, screaming there. Imagine the light show going fucking nuts right now. Blue and red blinding you. Charlie Clouser synthesizer solo right here. I always like this little part. else to say about gave up i don't have anything to add it's a really good performance there's not a lot to say other than it's good obviously this i believe is the part in the show when the three screens are coming up the three screens are they don't start with the the three big uh video screens uh up they're like horizontal and they move up to vertical toward the end of the song it's a really cool effect like the little rock and roll drum ending there 
And then a big mood shift. As it's a centerpiece for the Fragile album, it's also the centerpiece of the live album, The Great Below. I think it's a highlight of the show as well. I agree. One of my favorite tracks on this. Yeah. It's very well done. What's weird is it's not like one of my favorite tracks on The Fragile, but I really enjoy this this live version. I mean, I like it, I but I don't think I put it in my top five. Maybe not top five, but definitely a highlight of The Fragile. Missing the visual component here is a bummer since uh, the visuals for this in the show are really... Something. I think that there's something really lacking from this, and I think that's it. <laughs> I mean, tr- here's the thing with live albums, there's usually, I don't know, I feel like you have some kind of banter with the audience, there's band introductions, there's, and you don't have to do this, obviously, every live album is different, and performers have different styles. Reznor is not a banter kind of person. No, not you should not expect that on a Nine Inch Nails live album. A band intro would be nice. Um, you mean I love where, a good where Trent says, "I'm going to introduce you to the band now," and ladies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Robin Fink, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Obviously, they weren't doing that at this. He probably would have considered that corny at this point in his career, maybe. Or, just, or he just looked at them as hired, hired dudes hired goons. for his tour. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It just wasn't what he was about at the time. It, he, he aged into I it, just I feel because he's a different kind of performer that the visual part is necessary. I feel like the experience is necessary. I don't yeah. know how well this works for me in some respects as just an album without the visual part. That's all. I'm not saying it's yeah. bad. Technically, it's perfect. Like, everything is played perfectly. There's, you know, there's nothing bad, but there's something missing for me. I don't me. know that everything's played perfectly. But you know like, what I mean. Yeah, it's not like note perfect, but I... I actually like some of the slop, just as I've talked about before, because it makes it real. Um, it's not all as quantized sounding yeah, as I don't the mind albums. if someone sings off-key or right. whatever. That doesn't bother me. I expect it. That's what I want in a live performance. I kind of want... I mean, I don't want things to fail or go wrong, but I don't... That's what makes it interesting, is actually the, the human element of a yeah. live performance. And I feel like with this, what's missing is the visual part. And I feel like that's a lot of the Nine Inch Nails experience because he's always yeah. kind of focused on that so much. Extremely. And including shows. like the clothes they wear, like, I mean, yeah. at this period. So I feel if you're missing that, you're missing quite a bit of it. And, the and face so paint. for me. Not face paint, cornstarch, I'm sorry. <laughs> for me, this, I don't know if this works as a live album. That's all. Jeez. I, You're there's just, just coming out and There's just it. something missing. And that's that's what's missing. Because I feel like after seeing them live and being there, I've never been in an, at a concert that was that like electric with people being so excited to see a band, mm-hmm. I feel like. But it really was. like The, the yeah. excitement and the tension was like palpable. And uh, the visual element is very important to the shows. It's something that Reznor plans... has in his mind as he's mm-hmm. getting ready to tour you know he's he's got these elements in mind and because he's not a banterer right he's not gonna 
Well, now he does a little bit of talking to the audience. I mean, he, he'll occasionally talk. But That's not. when people are like, oh, we better listen. Yeah. Shut <laughs> up and listen. <laughs> um, Record this. Get, get your phone out. Yeah, everyone. Trent's going to talk. But yeah, I'm not saying it's bad at all. But for me, this isn't maybe unnecessary. I'm not saying it's unnecessary. I'm trying to figure out how to say it. Well, there's something missing for this from this album for me as a live album to make it like something to me that is up in my top like live albums. I think I think if the DVD never existed, maybe it wouldn't feel like something was missing, or it would feel less so. I think because the DVD exists. Well, maybe, but it does exist, so you can't just. Yeah, no. What I'm saying is because that exists this you feel a little cheated out of something and maybe cheated is the wrong word this is a for me a really a live album i always enjoyed having to blast in the car or wherever it just never captured me like other live albums like stop making sense or living and clip or even i think Torium has had a live album i really liked a lot mm. it never quite I think I played it a few times and never listened to it again I'm not gonna lie it just was not something I was also at a different phase in my life than you yeah I mean I was was in college you were still in high school I was very peaking fandom so yeah it was yeah bigger for me I was at, at my height I guess yeah and at this point I mean I was just kind of listening to different stuff it wasn't all like nin and alt rock all the time and this just never captured this wasn't a necessary live album for me. I enjoyed it, and I think it's good. And the performances are great. I'm not saying it's bad, but it never made the impact on me that something like Stop Making Sense did. And I'm sure it did for some people. So Yeah. It was very impactful for me, but DVD more so. <laughs> um, I'm an extremely visual person. I mean, I've always been a musician, and but my brain just works so visually um, that... I'm obviously more drawn to the the visual component, but no, I still really like it. There's something about this though that doesn't fit my criteria, it doesn't transport me. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a little bit of I mean the audience is there. We get a we get some we get a feel just a taste of the excitement of the audience, but it's obviously not a substitute for being there. <laughs> no live album really can be. I wonder if anyone, because I was saying that like Ani DeFranco's Living in Clip and uh, Stop Making Sense, like those turn me into fans of Talking Heads and Ani DeFranco, right? Respectively. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if anyone, if this was their first Nine Inch Nails album and if that made them a fan. Like that would be a question. There's gotta be people. Yeah, it had to have converted some people. I don't know any off the top of my head, but I'm sure we'll hear from listeners that were converted by this. So that will be interesting to hear. You're going to go into The Mark Has Been yeah, Made? Yeah, so this is kind of like The the Mark Has Been Made's next. And this is, it's kind of like the slow, quiet middle section of the show. Which is kind of a cool It's like a little, little here. interlude here. A little. Yeah, with the screens, the visuals going. But you just have to, to imagine them here. Um but yeah, super, super vibey right now. Of all the fragile instrumentals and the ones that weren't included, it's interesting that we get the mark has been made. 
and the others were cut, except for the frail, obviously. No la mer. Yeah, the more exciting ones. This one gets exciting at the end, but... I probably would have rather had... Uh, just like you imagined, one of my favorite tracks ever. I would have rather had La Mer, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, La Mer obviously is amazing, and that's kind of a bummer it's not on here. A lot of stuff was cut just to fit onto the maximum length of a CD. Robin makes this really cool. The, uh, the wah-wah break here. I'm just picturing like the Sopranos or whatever this played over. (laughs) The (laughs) Sopranos final season trailer. Yes, the trailer. (laughs) I really like the the synth bass here is is way more prominent than it is on the album. It even does a little something extra there. That's, That's cool. And then this song is has a whole has a new section at the end that isn't on the album at all. Did this surprise you? When it came to this section, were you like, what the hell's that? No, not really. I expect <laughs> things to be a little bit different on live albums. That's kind of the point. Like, I really yeah. like the jam part. I mean, they're not obviously a jam band at all, but there's still parts that feel... Yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff, there's a lot of differences in all the tracks, but mm-hmm. this is just like a whole new added section. Yeah, I expect something new in a live album. Okay. I, I think it's really cool. This, it is. It's really cool. It's it's like way more metal. I think I was talking tonight and I said like my favorite section is the frail between suck. Say that again, because I think you said the frail. What'd you say? Yeah, my favorite section of the oh, album oh, starts oh, oh. at the frail and ends after yeah. suck. Yeah, but okay. I, well, we'll get but to it. But it starts really strong, too. Yeah, but those are songs I've... Yeah, we, it's it's obviously territory well-trod in mm-hmm. their life career. And then we get Trent vocals all over the end, too, which is definitely yeah, not on the album. Yeah, this is really... But he's just kind of wailing, which is uh, always, always welcomed. And then it doesn't even stop straight into Wish, no break. That's kind of a cool decision. It is a cool decision. It's good. So that middle section is bookended by two the two fast broken songs. <laughs> which I think is kind of cool. So this is kind of snapping us back into the, uh, the energy of it all. We get to yell fist fuck. Did you like putting your fist in the air for fist fucks? Yeah, that was a highlight for me. Yeah. I felt like I was part of the Nine Inch Nails community. I was baptized. Like, this is a great It's what you have to do. It's almost a surreal experience. Mm-hmm. You know? I feel like I'm finally accepted as a fan now. Well, I'm finally one of them. Yeah. <laughs> you feel part of something. Exactly. Thrusting your fists for fist fuck. this song he doesn't even really have to add extra fucks because it's got enough already (laughs) I gotta at least play that part (laughs) 
big emphasis on that. Well delivered. Really cool guitar. I, I like the, the double time kick drum here. Really cool guitar work. Everybody's going ham. <laughs> As they should be. Yes. That that little lick right there. Yeah, it's cool. Robin adds a lot to it. The little rolls that Jerome's doing too. Now this, you might think like, of all things, why is Suck the bonus track from from Broken on here? But it's, I feel like it has to be on here. You know, their first live album, or only live album. It's got to include Suck, a live staple since the Pretty Hate Machine era live days, you know? absolute live banger another example like the wretched of one of a track going way harder live than on the record even though it does go pretty hard on the record but you just get to do so much more cool drum and guitar stuff in a live setting on this one sucks a lot more prominent too <laughs> the pig face version is gonna seem pretty boring back to back with this i'm sorry some people prefer that some people said uh, they prefer it to this version i think i've only heard that said once i, I don't hear it i'm sorry extra fucks once again we need to keep like should have kept a running tally of extra fucks but we're past a dozen now okay my favorite part this is really great live too the big distortion on the vocal there's a little guitar lick that's that's added here too or it just follows the bass but right there I think that makes it way cooler guitar squeal it's awesome Really extend those sucks out. Oh, hear the time to play the, the Roxy hits. sample leading into the hit single. The hit single closer about a guy who closes things. Cool little deals uh, closes deals. Hi hat thing you only get to hear live. 
I think the pace has kind of increased here in the live version. There's a few differences, but mostly this version is kind of straight down the middle, yeah. sort of replicating the album version. But you gotta play the, the crowd pleaser, you know, for those people who only know closer. Extra snares. Bridge is a really interesting part. That little extra uh, lyric there. I like this part too with Robin doing that guitar that on the album is kind of going back and forth left to right in the stereo field. But they ha they've, they're kind of like fading the they're doing something interesting on the the mix there, fading it in and out for effect. And, uh, synth solo, of course. It's a little more improvised sounding than on the album. Sexy uh, whisper vocals, whatever you want to call those. Your eyebrow waggles are not going to show up on the podcast, I promise. No matter how hard you <laughs> wag your eyebrows, I'm wagging the so podcast hard. audience won't know. I'm going to put my eyebrows by the microphone so you can hear them wag. Yeah, you'll have to actually brush them on the mic for anyone to hear it. Okay, don't. Stop. <laughs> Good grief. We all know how closer goes. Of course, iconic ending. We all we know it. We love it. We didn't get to hear this part technically. We heard the uh, the only time outro, which kind of truncates people, it. Some people are kind of sad about that. I mean, I thought it was really cool to hear something unique, but mm -hmm. the you know this famous little toy piano thing is uh, amazing in its own right, as you were saying earlier. Yeah, oh, I need to add that to my perfect musical <laughs> moments list that I've got going. Come it's on. a moment, that's for sure. <laughs> when I come across a perfect musical moment, I add it to this little list I have going. Speaking of perfect musical moments, the head like a whole uh, percussion intro. Mm -hmm. A uh, quintessential Nine Inch Nails fake out closer before the... Uh, for the encore. Makes you say, how do they still have all this energy this deep into the set? Because they're young. They're not 40 yet. True. <laughs> not even as old and as I am. And this is their job. Not even as old as I am now. I always laugh every time I look at my perfect musical moments list. Anyway. You'll have to show me later. I've shown you before, and you just kind of mm -hmm. shook your head at me like Jessica. Mm -hmm. When Trent says fist fuck, perfect musical. <laughs> <laughs> but only in the live version, so everyone else does it. 
I think it's a very good performance. It's well-trodden territory. Nothing new is, re is revealed here. I don't know if anything significantly changed. I mean, obviously it's changed from the album, but as far as how they've done it in the past. We've mostly heard this. Once again, rock and roll drum ending. Should we say thank you? I said, fuck off, cunt. <laughs> he should have. Almost like imitating the, uh, the Kiss rock and roll ending from Starfuckers. It's Scream. Okay, yeah. He's saying thank you, and I'm assuming this is where they leave the stage. So we get to hear the crowd for a while here. I think on the album they kind of cut out the long period where they're going back and taking a piss and <laughs> slamming a beer and then back in with the day the world went away back to fragile tracks not Yay. a lot of them on here not enough okay six and a half minutes this version very different version from the album but also very cool this is one of the big changes I like the most on here, I think. Yeah, I think we talked about how this was, we liked it better than the album version. Yeah, the the way they do the outro, mm -hmm. I think I do prefer to the album version. The first half is like the album. I want to hear if he goes up on this note, though. Ah, yes. Yeah. Goes up on pay. Love that. I think the only time he doesn't go up on pay is on the fragile recording of it. Yeah. He does in the quiet version. But what I like about this version is drums. <laughs> we get a drum beat, which is really cool. As a drummer. Wait for it. Stick click. It's really this slow Tom Heavy beat. It's really cool. Little guitar lick there. And it's just really, there's no rush. Clearly, at six and a half minutes to get to the end, it's um, a leisurely vibey takes a while to even get to the na 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 so I like that they take their time with it but yeah this guitar works really cool something something new as well I think we talked about this one when we on the bonus episode where we talked about the aborted day the world went away music video right mm -hmm. yes the version that's going to be on the DVD incorporates a live part in its right part. right right yeah. 
couple of guitar thing there. This synth thing is cool. I want to know what this is, what's being played here. It's almost like... see it something Charlie's doing but yeah this is the song to vibe out to this is the one to disassociate to lyricless just na na na's like it's made for dissociation and <laughs> slipping away into the vibe zone you know the vibe zone let me tell you about the vibe zone it's that's, really chill. That's where I go when I hear <laughs> this. Yeah, the way this builds is really cool. Imagine being in the audience uh, sing-along to, to this. When, yeah, when we saw this, it was way more minimal, the drumless version. When we saw it, did it have the na-na's at all? It may not have. Now I feel I dumb. I can't remember. I get roasted for not... I don't think it did. Honestly, it was, the, it was a hard-to-remember night. <laughs> it, it was, yeah. It Too was, much going on. A lot going on, so surreal. Uh, exactly. But they've done so many iterations of this song live. Like that yo at the end there. I feel like if there were na-na-na's, wouldn't we have all been singing along? Yeah. See, I would have I had that remember. memory. It was yeah. the version without the na-na-na's, which is an interesting choice. A bold It would have been really pretty hearing everyone sing along. Yeah. 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 A big, big mood shift. We're going to Starfuckers. And we're shifting the BPMs by like uh, 20 BPMs faster than the album version. But yeah. I, that's a good choice to do. I think so too. It injects a lot of needed energy. We don't have Make to the song go harder. Yeah. You have to make it really rock out to make this one work live. No chopped up vocals, but we do get some a little bit of distortion, maybe. Cool little guitar thing that wasn't in the in the album. Yeah, much much more just like rock band uh, rather than the glitchy drum and bassy album version. Fucking insincerity. I like even got to add an extra fuck to a song called Starfuckers. <laughs> as if there weren't enough in Listen, there. Listen, guys, there's not enough fucks. Fucking insincerity. Yeah, this goes. This goes. I might prefer it. I don't know. This is hard. I mean, yeah, in a way, in a way yeah. uh, it's it has its advantages over the album version. I think picking up the pace a lot really helps. Yeah. 
It's nobody's favorite fragile track. Well, it's probably somebody's. Some, I'm sure it's somebody's. It wasn't our fave. But I think it's a highlight on this album. Good, good energy on on this performance. Not like because Reznor's like one more song after this, and then I'm done. But yeah, he doesn't seem tired or no. like he's phoning it in on this on this recording at least. Okay, the bridge I think is really cool. They just slow it way down, they stretch it way out. Robin's guitar playing is really cool. He's doing a I think he switches guitars here, but I can't remember what to. like the drone drone synth in there too and that when the bass when the bass hits that's a really cool effect here bathed in distortion the vocal here say you're so fucking vain Carly Simon I guess didn't <laughs> didn't prevent them from doing this live I like the extended don't use it's one of my favorite parts of the show here wait for it this is where he flips flips us off I would say that this is one of the few songs that you could say maybe transports you briefly, where you can yeah. actually get the energy of the crowd. But for the most part, I don't think you... I don't know. It's just hard. When they're going nuts with the don't shoes and mm-hmm. the fuck you. Yeah. And when you concentrate a little bit more on the crowd a little bit and integrate that sound, I think it's yeah. missing some crowd sound some places. I'm sorry. I know that you like it mixed low, but I think it could be used I, in some places I to make it... it to be constant. It doesn't have to be the Billie Eilish constant little screams, but you can incorporate crowd sounds in a way that's appropriate. And by the way, I love crowd sounds. Some of my favorite Nine Inch Nail songs have crowd sounds in them. I know. Well, okay. <laughs> but yeah, but those are like canned. <laughs> well, obviously. I'm just saying I don't want it to be mixed so loud it's a distraction that it's competing with the only time the I've music. experienced that is at Billy I don't think I've ever experienced that on well, a yeah, good live album literally mixed louder than the music and then it's like a parody of a parody the the kiss ending is made made real be funny if they just play the Paul Stanley sample right there <laughs> and then into the ultimate track on here Hurt if you could believe it see there's a crowd moment does that transport you I mean I think it's more interactive during um, Starfuckers but yeah I mean there's a crowd moment Yeah, but for the most part this doesn't <laughs> I'm just saying when they there's like the moment of the crowd realizing he's playing hurt and no, I know. people seem to go ape shit. See, I love the lone woo back yeah. there. 
That's love, always good to have. Love lone woos. Because that person has been immortalized. <laughs> maybe the... Lone screamers. The lady who heard herself is like, that's me. And she'll <laughs> always know that she's famous now. Mm-hmm. She's on the... She's immortal. Yeah, exactly. I really like the guitar sound here. Um, this is not wildly changed from like the album version. I know there's been several different ways to do her live. things here I really like the, there's a guitar part following that piano melody mm-hmm. which I think adds a lot I really like that they did that we're also hearing some subtle vocal harmony that's not on the album that I really like so some cool changes here In this era they were doing guitar um, for the main verse line, like on the album, as opposed to, I think, in Self-Destruct Era, they were doing piano instead. And as we know, he like wrote it as a sort of piano ballad at first and then replaced it with guitar. Any other thoughts on Hurt? No, it's just always a um, great closer. Hurt was the closer, obviously, both nights we saw them. When we were at the concert, I think I posted like a clip of her, and uh, I think Lisa commented and said that she's seen like Nine Inch Nails like twenty plus times, twenty six times, yeah. something, something, yeah, wild like that. And said that Trent never phones in her. Like, yeah, anytime she's ever seen him, he always gives it like his all. And I would say you can that. hear that, yeah, because that would be hard to do. Because this song is not going to work if you don't make it emotionally sincere. It's just not going to work. This live album starts so abruptly and ends so abruptly. The noise just swells up and then cuts right off. There is no time wasted with long intros or outros here. Typical Reznor move. It is just the abrupt ending. No fade outs. And the jump scare start. I would have loved an intro, though. I think it's because I've been spoiled, and every (gasps) major album or EP has a song that's a very good intro, right? Like, yeah, you've got like the cool percussion on it, like a hole that kind of eases you into it. You've got Pinion and Broken. You got Mr. Self-Destruct with the sample kind of bringing you in before it goes hard and then on the fragile you have like the the guitar part and somewhat damaged so you always get kind yeah. of these little lead-ins you're not just they like have great album openers and yes. maybe that's maybe maybe for the cd he was like eh, fuck you you're not gonna well, get it's a whole opener. different <laughs> it's a whole different world it's live yeah if you want a great live intro watch woodstock 94 to hear punch your balls off 
It's Nine Inch Nails <laughs> uh, by, what's his name? Larry Bud Melman. Larry Bud Melman. <laughs> but they should have included that. They should have just put that in here. Punch your balls off. <laughs> but maybe it's a nine, like doing a live album, especially at this time, was maybe not a very Nine Inch Nailsy thing to do. I, I don't know that he... I think he avoided doing it as long as he could, probably. Um, I, closure is not a live album, but a live experience of sorts. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's a maybe it's a Nine Inch Nailsy way of doing a live I album. Have it, I guess on the DVD because it has to be visual. You have to have it yeah. on there if it was included in part of the concert. But since that's a composite too, he could have left it off of that too. Yeah, but I'm glad. I'm glad there is a real intro on on the DVD and outro. But it's a it's an all killer no filler type live album um, with no no fanfare <laughs> no fanfare no banter no intro uh no mm-hmm. nothing no frills <laughs> nothing but the hits no frills just just the hits yeah okay so one thing i want to talk about is maybe just before we end for the night a couple more things rolling stone actually named fragility 2.0 the best tour of 2000 nice I remember a long time ago in a bonus app, I was kind of questioning the success of the tour. I always had the, I guess, the perception that this tour is completely sold out. Yeah. Super successful. I I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't, by the way. I got that impression too. But as we know, Trent was very sick at this time, was battling addiction problems with Mm -hmm. alcohol and cocaine. And he described this time in his life... He said uh, he was in a constant state of withdrawal and sickness while on tour. So this is definitely not like, a, I would say, a personally fulfilling or a successful tour that way for Reznor. I would say it's a very toxic tour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during this tour, he and Fink kind of alienated from each other. Afterwards, I think he kind of alienated himself from the rest of the band. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that there were... Issues there that I would say would definitely not make this tour successful. But I had found this quote, and I was kind of skimming through articles from Spin, and this was a while ago, and then I came across it again. And this is what gave me the perception of maybe this tour wasn't as massively successful as we thought, at least some dates. And I'll talk about this in a little bit. So this is in Spin. I think it was May 2005. So it's when he's promoting With Teeth, and he's talking about this tour. And he said... Coming down is not nearly as much fun. There was a real arrogance on our part. We said to Interscope, here's the new record. Get out of the way. This is the new thing. Deal with it. So he's talking about the fragile here. Mm -hmm. There was a very different climate in the world of music. Nobody really understood what the record was about. The label just threw their hands up. Reznor shudders faintly and takes another sip of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Looking out and seeing empty seats in the back of the arena that you shouldn't have played anyway, but arrogance got you there. Combine that with personal ruin. It's hard to look cool vomiting in in a toilet. Know what I mean? Mm. So I'm wondering, and this is not a big deal, but as an artist and as just it's human to fixate on things that are bad and not to think about the things that are good. And so maybe there were a couple dates that were not completely sold out. Maybe he was booked in an arena that was too big for, I don't know, someplace in Nebraska. I don't know where. I'm just picking a random, like, <laughs> in Omaha. I don't know. I mean, maybe there were some spots where they weren't completely sold out, and maybe Reznor felt a little humiliated or just fo- 
focused on that. I, I don't know. But that quote there, that just makes me think. And I think that's what I got in my head. And I was like, well, was this tour as successful as we thought? Because I just have always had that quote in the back of my head. Like, what is he saying here? Yeah. And that's how I kind of interpret it was maybe there were just a couple shows that weren't sold out. And he kind of fixated on that. They really and stick out to him. Exactly. It sticks out to you when things aren't. You don't remember the shows that were completely sold out. Right. You You're, remember the ones where you saw you empty seats. The negative experiences about there's like studies on this, like ten times better than you remember the good stuff. Yeah, you know, I've always just kind of wondered about that quote, and I think a lot of it was because he was also in a bad place mentally, and uh, yeah, and his health was probably pretty poor. If you are in a constant state of sickness and um. I'm going to get the exact words that he said. Hold on. It would have been hard to form good memories. Constant state this. of withdrawal and sickness. Yeah. I have had nights where I've gotten so drunk. This is embarrassing. But the next day I'm so sick. And for addicts, it's probably a little bit different because at that point you you need it. Mm-hmm. And you have much higher tolerance probably. You'll, and you might be sicker without if, it. Without it. Exactly. So... But I've had days where I just I I could not imagine touring in a state of no, constant God. sickness, especially alcohol sickness, the, it which takes, is a totally different thing. It would have. I think if it were me, I would have just given up or something <laughs> and just been like uh, cancel the whole thing. Like the the fortitude it must have taken to just go through with it anyway, <laughs> night after night. Yeah, yeah, like I don't have the strength or the stamina. No, I'm going to chalk it up to uh, Trent's Torian stubbornness. Yeah. I'm going to finish this tour. A very stubborn, driven mm-hmm. person. Yeah. And a, a person who is that driven and stubborn is going to focus on maybe things that didn't turn out quite as right. they expected yeah. and focus on that for a while, um, even if it probably wasn't a very big and, deal or it know, only happened a couple times or we, whatever. We know his perfectionism well by mm-hmm. now, so that's part of it. But yeah, I just wanted to explain that. I think it was on a bonus yeah. episode where I was talking about it. And so I just wanted to just kind of bring that back up. And okay. I didn't want people to think I just said that for no reason, <laughs> basically. I, no. I was like, oh, it was this article. That's where I got the idea from. Yeah. So anyway, you can maybe blame it on management too. I don't know who decides what venues you're playing. I have no idea how that works. So I'm assuming that management would have a lot to do with that too. Yeah, for sure. I think they did in this case. Yeah. I think now he has way more, obviously, has the power. Is more well, he broke hands. that toxic relationship too. Yeah, and we'll the, talk to that when that time comes. Yeah, we'll the, talk him, about it more. Him and mom. Mm-hmm. So I think that is almost wrapping this up. I have one more thing I want to just read. Um, and this is from... Alternative Press in January of 2002, and it's when he's promoting And All That Could Have Been. And uh, they ask him, the interviewer asks him, with closure, the long-form video documenting the Downward Spiral tour, you said in the notes that this was the end of a chapter in NIN history. Do you have the same attitude toward this recent body of work? And Reznor said, I was thinking about this a lot as I was working on the DVD. This disc is a pretty well-rounded retrospective of what I've done. My confidence in my abilities is up right now. I'm excited about tearing some things down in my world. This record caps off that time period, and it's time to change. There will be personnel changes without being too specific. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be firings, layoffs. (laughs) Some redundancies. A lot of the reason why I've had a band around is because I haven't had a lot of confidence in myself. I always wish we had a real band where we all shared in the responsibilities, but I don't think I need that right now. 
I'm kind of excited about facing the challenges of success and failure. So huh. look at this as this this whole 17, this whole Halo 17, the three different components. It's definitely the end of an era and he's ready to move on. It's funny that just like three years, two or three years prior, <laughs> closure was like, okay, end of an era. This is closure. And then just a couple of years later, okay, end of another era. <laughs> But the fragile hey. is its own era in a way, especially the personal changes he's undergoing between yeah. these two big albums. And I do agree that this is is a nice little retrospective, um, but I would say it's not a life changing live album for me. That's all. So I think we can go into our ratings real quick and our nailed ratings. Oh, uh, sorry, our ratings in inches. Oh shit, we do have to rate. Mm -hmm. So we're we gonna just rate the CD. Yeah, just the <clears throat> CD. Or do you want to do it all as a whole? Yeah, that, that's tough. Uh, I would, I, I, let's break this up because I think they're very different pieces okay. of media. But maybe we could give an overall at the very end. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we could average okay. our score. I don't know. Sure. Um, I'll go first to give you a second to think because I've okay. already kind of talked about I, some I didn't of the. I think about this. Yeah. I've already talked about some of the kind of. I wouldn't say they're issues. Obviously, it's it goes hard. It's a good set. I do wish there were more tracks from The Fragile on there. I think that a visual component is necessary to really get the nails experience. So maybe just the live CD on its own doesn't necessarily work for me, but it is technically a great, a great collection of recordings. I'm going to give it seven inches. Okay. Seven out of nine inches. Mm -hmm. I think it's the weakest of the three components. I actually would agree with that weakest of the three, but the other two, it's because the other two are amazing, um, and we'll we'll get to which one is more amazing. Uh, I'll give it eight out of nine. I, the only thing I don't like really is that it's not the and all that could have been DVD concert movie. <laughs> to me, that's the only real downside here. Anything else would just be a nitpick. So that would prevent it from getting the perfect score. Eight out of nine. But as you said, it wasn't life changing. I mean, I was already into the band, and it it wasn't yeah. it wasn't anything that to me mm -hmm. added or detracted from my from my love for the band. Like you know what I mean? Like it didn't necessarily yeah. increase it more, but it definitely didn't take away from the respect I already had for the band. No, but what I wanted to say was, for me, I think it was life changing just because of the time that it time in my life that it came out, mm -hmm. the time and in my fandom um just the fact that it's their their first live album the first time i was seeing them because i saw this before closure i'm pretty sure so oh, my first okay. time really seeing a live experience of them so yeah i would it altered altered my fandom and my musical taste and my concept of what a and show could be. You were stuck listening to it in your Honda Civic yeah, for months. Exactly. Without months. the album versions. You you were so, able to really grow a relationship with this of album. Of course it changed my life. Yeah. Um <laughs> it it probably deserves better than eight, but well I'm gonna come back to that thought when we rate the other parts. Okay, sounds fair. Okay, so do we have any new patrons? Yes. Let's give shout outs. To new patrons who joined us at patreon.com slash nailedpod, where you get our like 40 bonus episodes, Discord, merch discounts, and other fringe benefits. So thank you to new patrons, Thomas, Danny, 
Not Danny Loner, a different Danny. Really? It's not Danny L? No. Scott, Carlos, and someone named Nipple Sauce. (laughs) What? Uh, Okay. Okay. Thank you, Nipple Sauce, (laughs) and all the rest. (laughs) Sorry. That just makes me think of the, um, is it the Nine Inch Nails Confessions where someone said, every song this... (laughs) <laughs> Every time I hear Trent Reznor singing, it sounds like yeah. he's rubbing his nipples or something. In the studio, rubbing his nipples. I mean, <laughs> not totally inaccurate. Mm-mm. I mean, maybe that's how he gets what, such a great performance. Whatever you got to do to get yourself stimulated. <laughs> yeah, to give that great performance, exactly. I say. Okay. Um, also, if you are a patron, we do monthly merch giveaways. And we are going to talk about the, the current giveaway. Blake, what's yeah. our current merch giveaway? So we uh, did a special one this month and actually did two merch items, a nailed T-shirt and a nailed uh, patch. That is a unique one of a kind. Patch is pretty tight. Yeah. And um, for this one, we asked patrons to tell us what their favorite live track from the Fragility Tour was. And thank you for all those who responded. Um, do you want me to read the first winner? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this first winner actually sent us an email, so I'm going to read this whole email. Blake, Jess, and Oscar, hope this finds you well. Oscar is currently napping, so I'm th- I Thank think God. he's fine. <laughs> um, so I already posted on Patreon my favorite performance when I saw Nails on the Fragility Tour at Madison Square Garden was Marilyn Manson doing Starfuckers. I also mentioned The Wretched Kicks Ass. We agree, based mm-hmm. upon that performance. Somewhat Damaged is my favorite, but up to this point, I had not experienced it live. It was a terrible lie opening for me, so I can't put Somewhat Damaged on the Fragility Tour because it doesn't compute as far as Tim's timeline. Fragility was the fourth time I was going to see them live, and I was beyond excited. Pretty good seats in the 200 section of MSG. Even back then, I couldn't score pit seats. Oh. Mm, I know that. <laughs> I'll never that get pain. to score pit seats. In case anyone forgot, they had a new band opening for them called A Perfect Circle. They were fine. <laughs> <laughs> What I wasn't ready for was half of the GA crowd walking out after the end of the set and not returning. Weird. Yeah. After A Perfect Circle? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's so That's strange. how I'm reading it. It was kind of like the uh, the Bowie Nails yeah. Why? experience. You go for A Perfect Circle and leave? for? I don't know. I don't know. Fucked up, man. Come yeah. on, people. I didn't get it, and I never understood it until the Farewell Slayer tour when I bought a ticket to MSG, saw the Phil Anselmo band, Primus in Ministry, and left because I'm a wimp and I'm afraid Slayer <laughs> is just too darn loud. <laughs> I mean, kudos to you for being honest about it. Yeah. This was way before I looked at set lists. I had no idea what to expect. And although they are always great live, there wasn't much of the fragile on this fragility night. It started with Terrible Lie, which we all love, but this was the third time I'd seen them open with this. I could see a little bit of burnout on that if you're a regular concert goer. I thought for sure we would hear Into the Void, We're in This Together, Somewhat Damaged, and The Big Come Down. Still my favorites to this day and got none of it. That yeah. is a big bummer. Into the Void. I mean, the why? Sing- singles Into the Void and We're in This Together. No love. Not played. <laughs> We're in This Together, not played, period. For a long time, uh, yeah. It was also the first time I saw them close with Hurt. And although I appreciate it these days, back then I much preferred it in the middle of the set. See, that's, it seems strange to me that way, but it was how well, it was. Well, the middle of the set now, well, I don't, I don't know if it was like this for every show, but it was still that kind of quiet part with, you know, the mark yeah. has been made. And 
Of course, there is always more backstory that I don't want to bore you with, but to this day, the Fragility Tour was the most unfulfilling time I have ever seen Nails Live, which is really unfortunate since it's probably my favorite album. I will make an argument for hesitation marks when you get to it. Definitely one of my favorite tours. What was the point of this? Oh, yeah. I'd like to win the patch for my makeshift <laughs> nails jacket. Gotta run. There is a Honda Civic up the block giving away compact discs. <laughs> that was a reference to me. That was it? a reference to you, I okay. believe. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Now I know who robbed me. Now I know. Uh, I want my NIN CDs back. Um, I just want to know where Tim is and why your Honda's up there. It's really weird. So for putting in all that effort writing and sending us such a nice thoughtful email we're giving tim first prize and sending him the patch and we can't wait to see the jacket Mm -hmm. um as far as second prize the t-shirt we're gonna give second prize to scott curtis who gave a thoughtful response and scott said la mare i think the visuals used on the fragility tour at least what was seen on and all that could have been helped solidify a lot of the less obvious hit songs from the fragile era. We're in this together, etc. as classics TBH. I found it made the songs feel a lot more emotional, harder hitting than at face value when consumed through audio only. Thanks Rob. Did Rob work on the visuals? I think he did some work on it. Yeah. 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 Okay. And plus work on, you know, editing the, the DVD and, and right. And right. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Rob. And thank you, Curtis, for that response. La Mer is awesome live, as we will talk about next episode. So we're going to send you the shirt, Scott. We'll be in touch with Scott and Tim shortly. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone who entered. Thank you. So don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate and review on the listening app of your choice i think you can only leave a review leave a review on apple podcast rated on spotify or wherever Mm -hmm. you listen and we are still taking fragile reactions for a future episode so if you want to send just anything about the fragile era send that to us email us at nailedpod at gmail.com and let us know that it's okay to read it doesn't have to be long just you know we're gonna have a future episode where we share your responses and next time we're going to be talking about, and all that could have been, the DVD. We're going to talk about promos, how they promoted that, and the Fragility Tour rehearsals. So we'll talk about that, too. And next bonus up, we're going to talk about Into the Void video and Ooh. another video. Infamous. Deep. Ooh. We're going to combine the two. Nice. Yeah, it'll be fun. We're not going to go in-depth on the song. We're going to save that because Blake has promised a Tomb Raider episode. There will be an entire Tomb Raider episode. I want his Tomb Raider episode to be like my co-episode where he goes in deep about why this movie and soundtrack means so much and changed his life forever. I'm going to talk about how it's the greatest movie ever made. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Nailedpod.com is where all of our stuff is. Merch, mashup album, etc. Anything else, Jess? No, I think we're good. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks for listening to Nailed. Didn't that make you feel better? 